And that brings us to 1 Samuel chapter 2. So if you're able to, if you would stand with us in honor of God as we begin to read his word together. I'm going to read the uh, entire rest of the chapter and feel free to sit down if you need to. But I'm going to begin in verse 12. We read this. Now the sons of Eli were worthless men. They did not know the Lord. The custom of the priests with the people was that when any man offered sacrifice, the priest's servant would come while the meat was boiling with a three-pronged fork in his hand. And he would thrust it into the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot, all that the fork brought up the priest would take for himself. This is what they did at Shiloh to all the Israelites who came there. Moreover, before the fat was burned, the priest's servant would come and say to the man who was sacrificing, Give meat for the priest to roast, for he will not accept boiled meat from you, but only raw. And if the man said to him, Let them burn the fat first, and then take as much as you wish, he would say, No, you must give it now, and if not, I will take it by force. Thus the sin of the young men was very great in the sight of the Lord, for the men treated the offering of the Lord with contempt. Samuel was ministering before the Lord, a boy clothed with a linen ephod, and his mother used to make for him a little robe and take it to him each year when she went up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. Then Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife and say, May the Lord give you children by this woman for the petition, for the petition she asked of the Lord. So then they would return to their home. Indeed, the Lord visited Hannah, and she conceived and bore three sons and two daughters, and the young man Samuel grew in the presence of the Lord. Now Eli was very old, and he kept hearing all that his sons were doing to all Israel and how they lay with the women who were serving at the entrance to the tent of meeting. And he said to them, Why do you do such things? For I hear of your evil dealings from all the people. No, my sons, it is not a good report that I hear the people of the Lord spreading abroad. If someone sins against a man, God will mediate for him. But if someone sins against the Lord, who can intercede for him? But they would not listen to the voice of their father, for it was the will of the Lord to put them to death. Now the young man Samuel continued to grow both in stature and in favor with the Lord and also with man. And there came a man of God to Eli and said to him, Thus the Lord has said, Did I indeed reveal myself to the house of your father when they were in Egypt subject to the house of Pharaoh? Did I choose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to go up to my altar, to burn incense, to wear an ephod before me? I gave to the house of your father all my offerings by fire from the people of Israel. Why then do you scorn my sacrifices and my offerings that I commanded and honor your sons above me by fattening yourselves on the choicest parts of every offering of my people Israel? Therefore the Lord, the God of Israel, declares, I promise that your house and the house of your father should go in and out before me forever, but now the Lord declares, far be it from me, for those who honor me I will honor, and those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Behold, the days are coming when I will cut off your strength and the strength of your father's house, so that there will not be an old man in your house. Then in distress you will look with envious eye on all the prosperity that shall be bestowed on Israel, and there shall not be an old man in your house forever." The only one of you whom I shall not cut off from my altar shall be spared to weep his eyes out, to grieve his heart, and all the descendants of your house shall die by the sword of men. And this shall come upon your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, shall be the sign to you. Both of them shall die on the same day. And I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who shall do according to what is in my heart and in my mind. 
and I will build him a sure house, and he shall go in and out before my anointed forever. And everyone who is left in your house shall come to implore him for a piece of silver or a loaf of bread, and shall say, Please put me in one of the priest's places, that I may eat a morsel of bread. You may be seated. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would be honored through the preaching and declaration of your word this morning. Help our hearts to be humble before you. We pray in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Okay, I want to do something a little bit different this morning. I want to start off by talking to the young people in our church in particular. Okay, so let me, let me just kind of see kids. Let me have your attention here for a second. Where, where are the kids? How many of you are... First of all, how many of you are pretty young? How many of you are like three or four or five years old? Any three, four, five-year-olds in here? Okay. No, you're not. Uh, okay. How many, how many elementary age kids do we have in here? So kindergarten, first, okay, there we are, first, second, third, fourth, fifth grade. Okay. All right. Good. And thanks, guys. You can put your hands down. How many of you are middle schoolers? Okay. A couple middle schoolers in here. All right. Good. Good. <laughs> Good job. Uh, and now, how many of you are like, you're, you're, you're old enough to be kind of annoyed that I'm calling you a young person, but you know, technically it's still true. So my high school students and, okay, all right, good, good. Okay, well, I, again, my, my, I, know, I know sometimes it's hard to listen to a sermon, kids. So I, the, the first point this morning is going to be especially for, you, the, especially for you. The adults can listen if they desire. But it's, it's especially for the kids, okay? And so I know sometimes there's a lot of points. Normally I have three or four points. There's a, a dad that tells me that he gives his kids a treat when we get to point number two. And the kids are kind of disappointed by that because point number one is always really long, okay? It's the longest point every week. But, but today, point number one is for you, all right? And here's, let me, let me first of all just kind of share with you, with everybody, what the main idea is, and then we'll get to this first point that's especially for the kids this morning. Here's, here's, point, here's the main idea that I want everybody to, to think about. If you're old enough to write this down, maybe you can write this down. Here's what I want us to see as we look at this passage. If we desire the children in our church to love and worship God, we must worship him and treat him as holy. So, adults, kids, people kind of in between. If, if we desire the children in our church, which all of us should desire this, the children in our church to love and worship God, we have to worship God and treat him as holy. It's a commitment we must make as a church. That's what we're going to see this morning as we look at the story of, of Eli and his sons and, and of Samuel and the contrast between Eli's sons and, and, and Samuel. We're going to look at four points, but let's, let's go ahead and get to the point number one, Here's the first point. This, where, where are the kids at again? Here, where are you? Okay, good job. Here's point number one. Let's, let's think about this together. Number one, kids, we want to be children who love God and worship him with our whole heart. Right, kids? As kids, what do we want? We want to be children who love God and worship him with our whole heart. So, so kids, look, look at your Bibles with me if you would, and maybe you can look on with mom and dad, and, and look at verse 12, and we'll kind of talk a little bit about this story. It, it says that the sons of Eli, now the sons of Eli, we, we saw in chapter 1, their names are Hophni and Phinehas, and when he says sons, they're, they're, kind of, they're probably a little bit older than, than high school age, not quite sure how old they are at this point, 
but they're, they're a little bit older than, the, than the, the upper range of kids in this room probably at this point in the story. It says they were worthless men. And what does it mean that they were worthless men? Well, the Bible tells us it says they did not know God. They don't do the things that God tells them to do. Now, now maybe some of you kids have had this thing happen to you that happens to my kids sometimes. Sometimes when my kids are out and we're at the grocery store or something, uh, a lady will come up to them and she'll look at them and just say, oh my goodness, you guys have gotten so big. And she'll pinch the cheek and she'll rub them on the head and she'll say, I bet you don't even recognize me. And then she'll walk away and we'll ask the kids, do you recognize that lady? They say, I have no idea who that woman was and why she was pinching my cheeks, right? Maybe some of you kids have had that happen to you as well. And Now, if I were to ask you kids, I would say, okay, tell me about your mom. Tell me, what is your mom like? What does she enjoy? You said, well, you know, my mom, she likes chocolate cookies. Uh, my mom likes me to be nice to my brother. My mom doesn't like when my room is messy. You'd be able to tell me some things about your mom because you know her, right? If I were to ask you, tell me about the woman who comes up to you in the grocery store and pinches your cheek, you'd say, uh, Pastor Daniel, I don't know anything about that woman except that she seems a little scary to me sometimes, right? I don't know her. Eli's sons, Hophni and Phinehas, they don't know God. They don't know what he likes. They don't know how they're supposed to act. They don't believe in him. And you might say, well, well, Pastor Daniel, weren't they the sons of a priest? Wouldn't they have, have been around people worshiping God all the time? And the answer is yes. And the scary thing is it's, it's possible to, to be around people who are worshiping God and still not know God. Like, kids, it's possible for you to come in each week to this church and walk in those doors and, and go to a Sunday school class and, and come in to hear and, and hear people singing and hear Pastor Daniel or whoever's up here talk for a long time, and it's still possible to hear all those things and not know God. That's a really scary thing, right? Now, look at the Bible again and, and see what it says about what happened because they didn't know the Lord. It, it tells us that they did some really bad things. Verse 13 tells us the custom of the priest with the people was that when any man offered sacrifice, the priest's servant would come while the meat was boiling with a with a three-pronged fork in his hand, he would thrust in the pot or kettle or cauldron or pot, and all that the fork brought up, the priest would take to himself. That's what they did in this place called Shiloh. So the idea here is that God had told the priests, look, you can have some of what the people offer as sacrifices. Some of that's for you as priests. And the priests here, Eli's sons, Hophni and Phinehas, aren't doing what God had told them to do. Instead of taking the special parts that he had told them, that God had told them they could have, they were just trying to take the best parts for themselves. So kids, imagine you came tonight to celebration of thanks. Dessert night, also known as, right? And, and, and kids, imagine you got some cookies. And you got an apple pie, a slice of apple pie. And you sat down, and I walked up to you. And I said, uh, excuse me, kids, I'm pastor of the church. I'm taking your cookies. How many of you kids would say, no, you're not? Okay. Good for you. Let's say that you, you felt kind of intimidated and you, and you gave me your cookies. What would you say to your parents? 
you might say, I don't think Pastor Daniel is a very good pastor. And if I did that, you'd be right. But that's what these guys are doing. These guys, Eli's sons, Hophni and Phinehas, they're just in the ministry. They're in this position to take for themselves. In fact, it's even worse than that. The text tells us, moreover, in fact, he's saying, even worse than that, here's what they would do. As they, were, as they would come up to the people and say, I want the, I want the meat in that pot that's boiling, the people would say, no, no, that, that, that's not what we're supposed to do. The, the, and they knew that the law said, no, we're supposed to let the, the fat burn off and separate from the meat, and then, and then, and then you can have whatever you want. But the, 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 the law said that all of the fat belonged to the Lord. And, and Eli's sons, I think it's talking about Eli's sons here, they would say, no, no, you, you give it to me now, or I'm going to take it away by force. So it's even worse than me doing something bad at celebration of thanks tonight. Imagine instead this. Imagine you babysat for somebody in the neighborhood. And they gave you some money and you said, you know what, I'm going to give this money to God. And, and you, you came and you were getting ready to offer it and, and put it in the offering plate. And I came up to you and said, uh, that's mine, I'm a pastor. The Bible says take care of your pastors. How terrible would that be? You see, not only am I being greedy I'm preventing you from worshiping God. And, and, and kids, here's what I want you to see. These are some young men who are in God's, among God's people and aren't worshiping him. It says, if you look at the last verse in, in one of the section, in verse 17, it says, Thus the sin of the young men was very great in the sight of the Lord, for the men treated the offering of the Lord with contempt. That's like disrespect, disdain. It's like imagine being disrespectful to your father and, and how, how rude that would be. It's even worse. They're, they're treating worship of God with disrespect. Now, I'm going to give you some points of application, but first I want you to look at one other thing here in the, in the Bible. In verses 18 through 21, we see Eli's wicked sons contrasted with Samuel. Where, where are the middle schoolers at, middle schoolers? Okay, Samuel's maybe around your age, okay? Maybe a little younger, maybe a little older. But in contrast to these wicked young men, Samuel is different. It says that he's ministering before the Lord. He's a, he's a boy, a, a, young child, a younger child clothed the linen ephod. That'd be like a, a white apron. It, it designated his service to the Lord. And then I think verse 19 might be the most adorable verse in all of Scripture. And his mother used to make for him a little robe and take it to him each year when she was up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. And so she's helping her son in his worship of God. In fact, Samuel becomes known by his robe. You see it several times in the story of Samuel. So here's the point I want to make, young people. You have two two, two groups of young people in this passage. You have some young people that are hindering worship of God, and you have another young person who is helping people worship God. So, kids, three points I want us to look at together. Number one, here's, here's three points of application for you. If we want to be children who, who love God and worship with our, with our whole heart, number one, here's what I want you to tell you. Kids, the most important thing about you is whether or not you know and worship God. Kids, it is more important that you know and worship God than that you make good grades. It's more important that you know and worship God than that you have lots of friends. 
It is, and I think the, the people who are with you this morning who brought you to church would agree with that. The most important thing about you is that you know and worship God. Samuel knows and worships God. And so my encouragement to you would be to, to place your faith in Jesus Christ. To recognize that you're a sinner, that you've done things that displease God, and that you would see that, that God has sent his son, Jesus Christ, who is fully God, fully man, to die on the cross for your sins, rose from the dead, and now if, if you believe in him, you can have eternal life. And so, young people, I would tell you the most important thing about you is that you would know and worship God and that you begin that relationship by placing your faith in Jesus Christ. You know, we, we sang this morning, Behold Him, you know, that, that beautiful last song we sang before the prayer, that you would be able to come into Bethany Community Church each week and, and just see and behold the glory of God. Here's my, second, here's my second point related to that. Number two, kids, there's a danger that you face. The danger of growing up in a church is that you might get used to disrespecting, that being disrespectful toward a holy God. The, the danger of being around a church and being in a church and growing up in a church and, and having parents who worship the Lord or, or grandparents, whoever brought you, the, the danger is you might get used to being disrespectful toward a holy God. You can, from an early age, you can kind of begin to, to get used to just going through the motions. Come in and mom and dad are, are worshiping, but you're not really thinking about God or you're not listening to, to any of the sermon or listening to the, the, the songs that are being sung or listening to your Sunday school teacher. There's a danger. You can kind of get used to that. And your heart can become very hard toward the things of God. And so my, my hope is, is that you, get, you see how beautiful God is each Sunday and, and you, you see that the beauty of, of walking in a relationship with God and, and see the beauty of, of God here at church. Uh, kids, I, I heard an interesting story a couple weeks ago. It was a story about a, a woman, and she was walking home, and she saw this, this beautiful painting in a, in, in a garbage bin outside an apartment building. It was a, it was a pretty big painting, it was, you know, like almost as big as she was. And she, she was kind of walking by, and she looked at this painting, and she says, wow, this is a really beautiful painting. And she, she kind of took it out of the garbage area, and she looked at it, and she goes, I'm, I'm going to take this. This, this picture is so beautiful. I'm going to take this picture home. And she did. She lugged it like a mile to her house, and she, she put it in her apartment. She said, this is a beautiful. And she, then she going to do some research on this painting, and she found that this painting was actually done by a, a famous artist, and it was worth a lot of money. And what had happened is, we, we think, is that someone had given this painting as a gift to someone, and then that person had died, and their children had just not seen the value of that painting and had, had put it in the garbage. Young people, don't be like that, right? See the beauty of Jesus Christ. That's, that's my prayer for you as you come to Bethany each week, as you come and you, you worship with God's people, that you would see that, that Jesus is beautiful. In fact, uh, Kids, I, I recognize that it's not always easy to listen to Pastor Daniel, okay? I get it. Your parents struggle too, okay? Uh, it's not easy all the time to listen to a long message. And so, so I understand, right? I understand that it's not going to be easy to listen to every part of the sermon. So I, I would just encourage you, you know, um, at, at least use the time on Sundays to, to be thinking about God. 
when we're singing songs, try, try to understand what, what the songs are saying. Whenever I, I talk, you know, maybe you, can, maybe you can understand some of what's going on in this sermon. Maybe some of you are old enough to, to write down the points. You can talk about them with, with people later. Maybe that's one way you can kind of begin to understand more about what's going on during this time. Or, or maybe uh, some of you, I know, draw pictures of, of what's going on. And, and uh, I, I love getting your pictures. I, I keep every picture that you guys give to me. I can always tell it's me because there's glasses and a microphone. Uh, when, I, when I get a picture from you guys, usually. And, and then there's also just some, some sweet other pictures. And so draw pictures about what we're talking about. And, and, it's, and, and just kind of begin to understand more and more. Maybe instead of pictures of Spider-Man, you're drawing pictures of, of Hannah making a, a robe for Samuel and kind of thinking through what God is trying to tell us in that. Finally, last point for you guys. You don't have to be a grown-up to begin to know and love God, right? It's kind of what we've already been saying. You don't have to be as old as Pastor Daniel to know and love God. Samuel, at a very young age, is, is helping the people of God know and love him. And so that's, that's the prayer. You know, you think of all the stories of young people in the Bible who obeyed God. Joseph was really young when he started obeying God. Daniel and his friends stood up to a king as they wanted to know and worship God. Young Mary, mother of Jesus, was, was a young, young woman whenever she began to, to obey and, and be obedient to God. Loving God isn't just for old people, right? God says to this in, to you in Ecclesiastes 12.1, remember your creator in the days of your youth. And I can remember, look, when I was young, I can remember being really scared of pastors, Right? and really scared of, of elders and, and, and leaders in the church. But, but just know this, young people, um, that the adults in this church, your Sunday school teachers, your pastors, uh, other friends in your care group, we, we love you. And we want to show to you the, the, the beauty of a God who loves you even more than we do. We want to be children who love God and worship him with our whole heart. Amen? Amen. Okay, parents, time to pay attention again. Number, point number two here. Kids, draw a good picture, right? Number two, we want to be parents in the faith who take worship of God seriously. Now, now this means more than just biological parents. All of us who are, are older, adults, I'm using the word parents very broadly here. So parents in the faith, these young people, as, as Paul calls himself a father in the faith, we want to be parents in the faith who take worship of God seriously. Look what happens in verses 22 through 26. Eli's old, and he's, he's ministering, he's, he's parenting in the midst of a, of a fallen world. Remember, this takes place kind of at the end of the, of the time of the judges. And we know in the time of the judges that the people were not walking after the Lord, that the family was disintegrating, much as the family is disintegrating today, Right? In fact, there, there's some statistics. I'm going to share with you some statistics and, and understand I'm going to talk about the fallenness of, of the world and the brokenness of the family, but I'm mindful that many of us are in hard family situations right now, and if you're in a hard family situation, that doesn't mean that God's blessing has departed from you. My point here is simply that the, the family structure in our, church, in our culture is, is crumbling. From 1850 to 1960, this is shocking to me, from 1850 to 1960, the number of children who didn't live with their married parents was 
okay? All the way up to 1960. In fact, even in the 60s, as life expectancy increased, the number of kids who were born into homes with, with mom and dad married was nearly 95%. So only five, a little more than 5% of children were, were born into a home where mom and dad weren't married. 5%. Today, 40% are born to moms who are either single or living with someone to whom they're not married. Now, obviously, that has huge implications for society, right? Now, again, you may say, Daniel, I'm, I'm in one of those families. I'm a single parent or a grandparent, or uh, I'm, I'm just the product of living in a fallen world where, where people desert you or, or death happens. And Daniel, are you saying my, my family isn't blessed by God? Absolutely not. What I'm highlighting here is the need for gospel hope, right? We want to be parents in the faith, who take worship of God seriously. So let's, let's look at Eli's sons and, and what happens in verses 22 through 25. It says that Eli is very old, and it says he keeps hearing. So there's this ongoing hearing about what his sons are, are doing to all of Israel. Their, their conduct is an offense to God, and it's harmful to the people. And, and there's a specific example that's given. It says that he, he's hearing, this is verse 22, how his, his sons are laying with the women. They're, they're sleeping with the women who are supposed to be engaged in helping people worship the Lord. And Eli goes to his sons, and he, and he confronts them, but his, his response is far too passive. He says, you know, what am I hearing? Why do you do such uh, things? I'm, I'm hearing about your evil de- uh, uh, dealings. Verse 24, it's, it's not a good report that I hear the people of the Lord spreading abroad. And then he, he gives them a warning. Look, if you, if you sin against another person, someone can intercede, God can intercede between two human beings who sin against one another. But if you sin against a holy God, who is there who has the authority or right to, to intercede for you? No one. Now, what he says is true, but it is far, far too passive. Remember what happened to Aaron's sons? When they engaged in, in offering God strange fire, they, they died in the presence of the Lord. Eli's warnings to his sons should have been much, much stronger. Sons, do you understand the holiness of God? We are engaged in helping the people worship God. And, and what you are doing is, is incredibly evil. Eli should have done whatever he could to have kept them as far away from the worship of God as possible. He should have warned them that death was imminent. Not just from God, but but from the the rules of, of, of worship of God. But he doesn't. He's far too passive. Why are you doing this? Watch out. And later we'll see that he he has more regard for the the glory of his children than he does God. Now again, there's a con- just like in the first point, there's a contrast with Samuel. Notice verse 26, there's another contrast with Samuel. Between Eli's sons and Samuel, verse 26, the young Samuel continued to grow both in stature and in favor with the Lord and also with man. So two families here. Eli, as he honors his sons more than God, his sons go in a way of, of disobedience as Hannah gives up her son to the Lord, honoring the Lord more than her child. God is gracious toward that. Now, here's some, here some applications, here, three things that I, I want to warn you with. Now, let, let me say this. 
I want to say some of these things carefully, right? I want to get at some specific points of application for us here as we want to be parents who take the worship of God seriously. But I also want to understand that, that you can very easily take some points of application and become legalistic in the application of them or, or mechanicistic, think, thinking that if I just do this, then my children will do this, and that's not how the Lord works, right? So I'm going to, I'm going to give some specifics to help us put some, some flesh on some principles, but I also want us to be, be careful as we talk about these things to not, not be legalistic. I, I'm, a, I'm a parent who, if, um, if you were going, to, uh, if you were going to, to poll my children, ask my children, you know, they'd, they'd have some thoughts about how dad had, had failed, I'm sure. But I'm also at a point in my parenting where I'm, I'm getting to the point where I'm a little bit more removed from from having young children and, and can have a little bit of a bigger picture and, and, some, and know some things that I wish I'd done differently. So here's three things that I believe you can do to distort your children's view of God's holiness and to harm their worship. Number one, you fail to take God's holiness seriously in your daily life. That, that's a way that you can harm your children's worship. You fail to take God's holiness seriously in your daily life. That's, that's Eli's first issue. He doesn't take God's holiness seriously enough. First Peter chapter 2 says, you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you've received mercy. He says, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh. You're you're a a nation of priests, church. And so restrain yourself from the the passions, abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. They see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. That includes your behavior before your children. Take God's holiness seriously in your daily life. Be careful what you say. Remember what I told the kids a few minutes ago? What's the most important thing about them? The same is true for you. Do you love and worship God? Number two, another way you can distort your children's view of God's holiness. Number two, you can treat worship of him with contempt. And here I'm thinking both about worship in your family devotions, and on a Sunday morning. Remember, we love each other here, right? That's what I always say before I say something that might offend. Malachi says this. These are hard words. And I'm sharing this. I've been praying about how much to share. I'm sharing this with you because I love you, and I want your kids to love the Lord as well, and I think this is important. In Malachi, the people are clueless. God keeps confronting them about their poor worship, and they're like, what are you talking about, poor worship? I I sacrifice. Yeah, you're sacrificing garbage animals. And it gets to the point where God says, and remember, he's writing to the people after they've restored worship in the temple. This is a big deal. And God says, the worship here is so offensive, I wish someone would stop it. He says in, in Malachi chapter 1, 
He says, there were, Oh, that there were one among you who would shut the doors, that you might not kindle fire on my altar in vain. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, and I will not accept an offering from your hand. He says, look, your worship, when you come together, is so pathetic. You are giving me such measly offerings. I wish someone would stop it because it is offensive to my holiness that you treat me this way. And he says this in verse 11. For the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations. And in every place, incense will be offered to my name and a pure offering. For my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. Adults, we have got to communicate the holiness of God in worship. The children must see that from us. They need to see it in our daily devotional life. They need to see it on a Sunday morning. Brothers and sisters, don't, don't let the children in our church see you distracted during this time. When you come together to worship God, don't be distracted. Don't be on your phone. Don't be surfing the internet or social media. Don't be texting. Think about the holiness of God. Delight in his words that's taught. Let the kids in this church see you in engaged and thinking about the text, maybe that's through, again, don't want to get too specific, too legalistic. Maybe it's taking notes. Maybe it's engaging with, with kids later about the, the sermon. But let the kids see you engaged in, in singing and, in, and in, engaged in, in learning about God and loving him. Let, let them see good worship from you on a Sunday morning. I get not every sermon's a home run. No one is more aware of that than I am. But we're always in God's word, right? And we're all agreed that, that even if Daniel doesn't exposit 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 12 through 36, as well as he should, it's still a really good portion of Scripture. We all love each other. <laughs> Let's keep going here. <laughs> Guys, protect and treasure the Lord's day. During the pandemic, Many people came up to me and they said this. They said, Daniel, the government is trying to stop us from worshiping on Sundays. They cannot do that. And, and, and we, we, we were right to, to have that attitude. Worship on Sunday morning is an important thing. I've never had someone come up to me and say, Daniel, my kid's soccer coach is telling me that I need to be on a field instead of on church on a Sunday morning. They've crossed a line. They can't do that. I'll stop there, right? But again, from an from an old, from a older parent, I'll tell you, we, we allowed our children on several occasions to miss Sunday worship for other things, and I, I'll tell you personally, I wish I hadn't. I think I could have communicated more to my kids and others about the holiness of God and, um, and the importance of worship I, I stood firm. Maybe you disagree, but I'll tell you this. Um, you can't just ignore this principle of, about treating worship of God with him. You need to figure out what it means. And, and you can't derive what it means from the culture, right? I think we're all agreed on that. 
I need to, to personally think through it. Well, it's hot in here. Let's go to the third point. <laughs> Let's keep going. Uh, value your children more than the Lord, okay? Value the children, your children more than the Lord. This is Eli's foundational problem, and this is where many of us, many of us are struggling. Value your children. If you want to treat your children in a way that's going to cause them to not worship well, treat them as more valuable than the Lord. I'm, I'm being bold this morning because this issue is so important. You know, we, we don't want uh, their glory, them to think that their glory is greater than the Lord's. And yet, what does verse 29 say? We're going to look at this in just a moment. He, he said, why do you scorn my sacrifices and my offerings that I commanded? You honor your sons above me by fattening yourselves in the choicest parts of every offering of my, of my people Israel. And so, Eli has, has come to the conclusion that, hey, I love my kids more than I love telling them hard things. I love my kids and their honor more than, than telling them things that are going to, to make them angry or, or things that are going to cause them to, to not get the things that they desire. And he's held to account for that. And it's part of the reason why his children don't worship the Lord. Now, let's get to the third point. We have to go a little bit more quickly here, which I, I knew was going to happen. Hopefully you're not a kid who gets a snack on the third point, because my goodness. Number third principle here, we want to be somber as we all consider the, the penalty of scorning God. We want to be somber as we consider the, the penalty of, of scorning God. Verses 27 and 28 say, here's what God had done, and he talks to Eli, that this man of God comes to Eli and confronts him. And he says, look, remember, God allowed you to be a priest I was listening to, to Dane Ortland uh, this last week, and he was talking about how his dad, who's, who's also a pastor, told him, he says, sometimes uh, pastors will say, um, as they're going through a hard circumstance, they'll say, I don't deserve this. When in reality, what they should be saying is, I don't deserve this. Like, I, I don't deserve this opportunity to, to serve the Lord in this way. And that's what the man of God is saying to Eli as well. Look, you didn't deserve this opportunity to stand between God and his people. And instead, verse 29 says, look, this is how you've responded. You've scorned my sacrifices and offerings. And then he says, here's what God is going to do broadly. He's going to honor those who are low and bring down the proud. And then it says, here's what I'm going to specifically do. He says, and that begins in verse 30. Sorry, that begins... Um, in verse 31, the days are coming when I'm going to cut off your strength and the strength of your father's house. There won't be an old man in your house. He's going to end the, the prominence of his priestly line. There's going to be distress in Eli's home. This causes us to examine our lives carefully, right? We know that ultimately it's, it's God's work that, that brings children in our church to the Lord. But as we, we talk to our children about the consequences of not walking after the Lord, as we talk to one another about the consequences of not walking after the Lord, we want to be somber because the penalties of a failure to worship the Lord are severe. Let's get to the last point. There's hope here. Number four, we want to be hopeful as we consider our priest and king who stands before God on our behalf. There's a beautiful thing that this man of God says to Eli as he gets ready to conclude. Here's the hope. There's a coming priest. He says, I'm going to raise up for myself a faithful priest. 
And he's not just a kind of faithful priest. It says, he shall do according to what is in my heart and in my mind. There's, there's, there's this coming priest who is perfectly aligned with a, a holy God and is in perfect obedience to this God. And I'm going to build him a sure house, and he shall go in and out before my anointed forever. Now, what I believe this is talking about is, is not just a, a coming human priest, although Zadok the priest may have been a, a human fulfillment of this. I, I believe he's talking about Jesus Christ himself. In fact, when he says, um, I will build him a sure house, and he shall go in and out before my anointed forever, that the antecedent to he is actually, could be house. And so the house, the, the people will go in and out before my anointed forever. So there's this coming priest and this coming king. The priest Jesus, the king Jesus. That's the hope. And then, this priest is going to mediate between Eli's family and, and God. You might say, well, God's done with Eli's family. Well, not necessarily. It says, the people who are left in your house shall come to implore him for a piece of silver, a loaf of bread, and say, please put me in one of the priest's places that I may eat a morsel of bread. Here's, here's the hope. There's this coming priest that Eli's fallen family is going to have to ask for help. And if it's right that this coming priest is, is, is Jesus, this, this anointed one, the Messiah, is he going to say Yes to even Eli's house. Here's the hope. Here's the gospel hope, people. You might be feeling kind of beat up this morning. I'm not doing this right in my parenting. I'm not doing this right as a kid. Here's the gospel hope. There is a priest who intercedes for us. What does this priest tell us? John chapter 6, verse 37. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And what? And most of them, I won't cast out. The really good ones, I won't cast out. No, no, no. Listen to this. This is what the priest, this coming priest that is prophesied here, this fallen family of Eli, this is what the priest does. All the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. That's our priest. That's a priest my children need. That's a priest I need. And what about coming to this, this priest for a, a loaf of bread? Will, will this priest have mercy on Eli's family and give them a loaf of bread? What does that priest tell us in, in Matthew chapter 7? Which of you, if his son asks him for a bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If then... You who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask of him? Young people, God is a God who will give to you all that you need and far beyond. Old people, God is gracious in our failures. And as we come to him, he will by no means cast us out. That's the gospel hope. That's the God we worship. And in our failures, we plead to God, help us. And our priest, the priest himself, pleads with us before God. Jesus himself intercedes with his father and says, Father, uh, this, this, guy, this guy Daniel 
stealing cookies from kids at Feast of Thanks. He's in no means able to, to stand before you on his own. I'm pleading for him. And what does the father say? Ah, fine. No, the father says, yes. Yes, son, I, I accept him on the basis of your righteousness, and I'm excited to do so. Kids, that's the beauty of God. That's the beauty of the God that we want you to behold this morning. Adults, that's the beauty of the God that I want you to behold this morning. That's the beauty of the God that we want to worship. If we desire children in our church to love and worship God, we must worship him and treat him as holy as well. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We are grateful to you for your word. We're grateful to you for your sacrifice for us. We pray that in your kindness, you would cause us to draw ever closer to you. We pray for, for those of us who are uh, in, in leadership over young people, for teachers, for Sunday school teachers, for, for care group leaders, for elders, for pastors, for parents, for grandparents, for foster parents, aunts, uncles. Lord, help us love these kids. Please protect them from our sin, from our, our failed worship. And Father, our, 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 please draw them to yourself. And, and for those kids who have, who have turned away from you and, and the kids that we love, we, we trust you to continue to, to work. And we, we would ask that you draw them to yourself to help them see the beauty of your Son to, to behold your glory and to worship you. And, and Father, we, we thank you for your forgiveness for us. We thank you for your kindness and your mercy to us that allows us to stand before you with confidence, not shame. We pray you'd help us to worship you more fully, being conformed to the image of your son, Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen.